Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Millicent Rovello, and I'm here with my most friendly and amazing co-host, Dr. Jay Calvert. How are you? I am feeling very friendly, as a matter of fact. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm doing okay. (laughs) I I feel nice, and uh, I'm going to be friendly about your very, very important topic today, because this is a, a big one that we need to update a bit. Yes. So today's podcast is going to be about breast reconstruction, uh, which I do a fair amount of. Um, and it is an update. We've done a couple of breast reconstruction podcasts, but they're like way back in the archives and too hard to find. So we're updating a, a little bit. Um, and for good or for bad, I've been doing a bunch of breast recon recently. And there are some points that seem to come up repeatedly that I just sort of wanted to make sure we go over and really explain. Yeah, I think, you know, this is something that uh, I I don't think patients quite understand it when they're, you know, know, first of all, breast cancer sucks. Let's start there. It sucks. Can we start with that with everybody? It sucks. And because one in eight women have to deal with breast cancer, then you're going to know somebody who's had to go through this. You're going to, you know, God forbid, it's something that you have to deal with. But if you do have to deal with it, you got to have the information and have an understanding of what it is you're up against in terms of breast reconstruction so that you can you can be powerful in your choices and you can understand the course of treatment. Yeah, absolutely. And the problem becomes when you have a diagnosis of breast cancer and then you're also seeing consults for breast reconstruction, there's just so much information coming at you and you're already in a vulnerable state and feeling kind of overwhelmed with your diagnosis that it's really hard for what any of your doctors are saying to really sink in. You kind of get bits and pieces from here and from there. And then it's not till like after all the surgeries are done, that you kind of start asking questions that maybe you didn't hear the answers to the first time, and you're like, wait, what's happening? And so it, it, it's a lot. It is a lot. And just to condense this particular podcast, because there are a variety of breast reconstruction options, you could have an entire podcast just about breast reconstruction. Ooh, there's an, there's an idea. <laughs> the spinoff. Um But for today's purposes, we are talking about breast reconstruction in the face of a patient that has undergone a mastectomy and is having implants for reconstruction. This is not dealing with anybody that's having a lumpectomy or partial mastectomy. It's not dealing for anybody that's having an autologous or tissue-based reconstruction. This is patients who have had a mastectomy or are going to have a mastectomy and are getting reconstruction with implants. Who was it the other day in the operating room that said autologous? I thought it was funny. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I think it was Gabby, our nurse. <laughs> she read the consent and she said autologous reconstruction. Autologous. <laughs> autologous rib. Oh, bless her heart. <laughs> it was great. Autologous. Autologous is the fancy word for I'm, like, it comes from you. It's your own tissue. I'm voting for autologous. Autologous. <laughs> I think that's going to be the new. It, it, and uh, I think Jose said it sounded like a dinosaur. Like, oh man, look at the size of that autologous. It's coming after us. It's an autologous Rex. Anyway, just a little little diversion of kind of the things that these these words are so difficult, They're aren't so they? They're so strange. They're so difficult, and we talk about them when you know. Even when I was trying to explain what we do with facelifts, like so the the, the terminology, the take home message here is that the terminology is difficult, and that's why we want to be clear. This is about mastectomy patients getting breast implant reconstruction. Correct. Mastectomy being removal of the entire breast, not just a part of it. In this right. situation, so. There are a couple of 
reasons patients will get mastectomies. Um, you have patients that are getting them for a cancer diagnosis, and you also have patients that are getting them prophylactically. That means that they have a gene or they have a high risk of getting breast cancer in their future, and so they choose to have mastectomies done before they even have a diagnosis of cancer, just to take it off the table. So those are the two categories or groups of people that will be getting mastectomies. You can have mastectomies on just one breast, or you could have it on both. One is called unilateral, two is bilateral. And here is where all my breast surgeons are going to yell at me. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to get one, get them both. And that is not necessarily a golden rule or standard recommendations. In fact, it goes against what a lot of the breast cancer colleges and societies recommend. Your hospital will get dinged if you have too many bilateral mastectomies that aren't indicated for cancer reasons. But I'm telling you, as a woman, as a female, as a plastic surgeon, my most unhappy patients are the ones that only have one side done, and then for the next 20, 30 years, we're trying to make the breasts match and be equal from a reconstruction standpoint. It just can't happen. And I'm going to get into the details of that in a little bit, but that's just my two cents. Um, not to mention, especially if you have any kind of anxiety about your diagnosis, having a diagnosis of breast cancer already and then having to go back every year and get a mammogram on the other side and wait for that news to find out if you may or may not have cancer on that side. And there is some data coming out that show that you may be at a higher risk to get cancer on the other side if you've already had it on the one side. So just to put your mind at ease and to make your reconstruction look so much better, do them both. That's my two cents. And it's not, that is, that is a controversial statement. So just putting that out there as, as my opinion. That's your opinion. And it's, it's more than two cents for sure. <laughs> I, I would say that was actually like 27 cents. <laughs> so, but the, uh, the reality is that I agree with you a hundred percent. The, uh, and, and it's not, this is not a, you know, a, American Cancer Society recommendation. This is a Dr. Ravello and Dr. Calvert recommendation that if you want your breasts to look the same as, be as best that they can, get bilateral reconstructions because the, the truth is you can't match an implant to a breast. If you have a natural looking breast on one side and then an implant reconstruction. It's th never going to look the same. It's you just have not going to get there. One breast that has no breast tissue, it's just skin. And then you're putting a round very sort of prosthetic, fake-looking implant underneath it. And then you have another breast, especially if it's on the larger side, that has, you know, it's aged over time. It has some droop to it. Even if you put an implant on that side, even if you do a lift on that other side, which is things we do to try and make them look equal, they are never going to look the same, like not even close, unless you have very small breasts to start out with, in which case you can get away with it. And I'm talking like A-cup breasts. Anything larger than a BB plus, they're going to look different. They may look okay in clothes, but naked, in a swimsuit, in a revealing dress, they're going to look like different breasts because one breast has breast tissue and it's going to age and it's going to respond to gravity with breast tissue. And the other one's just going to be like, hey, how's it going? How are you? I'm just here hanging out. I'm never going to drop. I'm never going to sack. I'm just here. <laughs> you know? I, I don't think I've ever heard the implants talk like that. But, but well, they maybe talk they to do. me. Oh, they talk to me. You a are lot. the implant whisperer, so I guess so. I, maybe they do. Maybe so they do say that. Just for symmetry purposes, 
um, if you have a starting place that's equal for both of them, then you're going to have a much better symmetric result. So that's the bilateral versus unilateral argument. Then there is the topic of whether or not you're preserving the nipples. And whether or not you preserve the nipples is dependent on a couple factors. One of them is whether it's safe from a cancer standpoint. And I always defer that to the breast surgeon. So if the cancer is encroaching on the nipple, getting close to the areola, a lot of times it has to be removed because it's just not safe to leave it behind. But if the cancer is far enough away and they're comfortable not removing it, then you can keep the nipple. You can keep the nipple. Should you keep the nipple from a plastic surgery standpoint is a whole nother story. Mm. If you have large breasts and your nipples are at the bottom of the breast or they're looking at the floor, keeping them is not helpful and it's not going to look good. It's hard to say, let's take the nipple when there's nothing wrong with it. But if you're trying to get a really nice reconstruction and you have large breasts and there's a lot of skin, it's not going to look good. It's going to look saggy and the breasts are going to hang really low. And these are patients that I get for revisions and they're like, they're just, they're so low and they hang and they don't look cute. I was getting implants. Why don't they look perky? And it's like, because we didn't take any skin. When you don't take the nipple, you don't take any skin. And you have a big skin envelope that you really can't fill up. Yeah. Uh, do you ever bank the nipple? No, we do not bank nipples. I have, a, I have a absolutely terrible story about a banked nipple that I don't even know if I can tell it on this podcast. It's so awful, but it's real what happened. I, think I told it. Yeah, yeah, you can tell it. So, so when we're talking about banking, I'll tell it because it was crazy. Um, and, and we really never resolved it. And I think you'll get it at the end. So banking the nipple, you take the nipple off at the time of the mastectomy, take it off like a, basically like a thick skin graft. Yeah. And we banked it in kind of the, the groin, like at the top of the thigh for this one patient where we just made a little incision. She's told her she's going to have a scar there and we sewed the nipple onto the thigh and bolstered it and it, and it survived. And then the idea was after we expand, do tissue expansion, uh, you know, th this is what happens. You do the mastectomy, you put in a tissue expander, you expand the skin, then you go back and reconstruct with a, a permanent prosthesis. And then you bring the banked nipple from the thigh up to the uh, breast and you put it on as a free nipple graft, which was something we do in breast re reductions all the, all the time. Yeah. Very common. Well, in uh, when I was at the University of Pittsburgh at the uh, at the cancer center there and we were doing this for a patient, uh, it came time to move the nipple back up and the uh, patient and the husband said, we kind of like it on the, on the thigh. <laughs> I mean, I could see just why. I mean, I, maybe I, I proximity even, to other areas. I don't, I, I, talk about I, don't. <laughs> I just, I'm just telling you that we couldn't convince them to move it. And they said, no, we want you to do a skate flap and make us a nipple. And we were just like. But you banked the nipples, so don't you think we should put it up on the breast? No, and they were like, "We like oh, it there. We kind of think it's kind of cool." <laughs> so there you have it. We do uh, not do go. that. Nope, anymore. we don't. That's no, not a thing. no, no nipple banking. No nipple banking. I've learned my lesson. But um, just to go back to nipples, you can keep them or you cannot, and we'll talk about what happens if you don't keep them. But my my criteria for keeping the nipples. Um, is when I do the reconstruction, can I can it still look nice? And it still has to, because 
this is where it's going to get into, gosh, there's so many things to, there's like so many considerations and I really feel for patients because this is just like, this is a whole lecture series. Breast reconstruction is by no means the same as a cosmetic implant or lift procedure. And that is so, so, so important to hammer home. I can't tell you. I have patients that come to me after reconstruction and they look beautiful. And then they have in their ear some friend or auntie who's like, oh, when I had my breast implants done, they didn't look like that or I didn't have it. This is not the same deal at all. Like, well, why can't you just do a lift at the same time? Auntie, stop. Like, this is not the same as the cosmetic breast procedure. No, it's apples and oranges. Apples and that's and really important it's to understand super that. super important to understand. Not to say we can't make them look great because we can, but what you're starting with is totally different. And it all comes down to blood supply. It's all about the blood supply. So in a cosmetic patient, say they have nipples that are starting to descend and their breasts are sitting low and sagging and they want implants. Well, we traditionally do implants with a lift to get the nipple to sit up nice and high directly on top of the implant where it's supposed to be. And we can do that because we have a ton of blood supply going to that nipple. We can cut it around it. We can lift it, move it around in space, and it's still getting perfused. When you do a mastectomy, you literally remove every major blood vessel to that nipple. It's only surviving on the little tiny vessels that come through the skin and all around it. So now you want to cut around the nipple and move it, it it'll literally die. There's, there's no blood supply going to that nipple. Right. So you at the time of the procedure, it's incredibly difficult to move that nipple from where it is already. So if your nipples are not in a great position to start with, they're not going to be in a great position afterwards. And it's going to affect the result and how it looks. The one caveat is if you have, if you don't have an active diagnosis of cancer and you're doing this prophylactically, this is where I love to do a lift ahead of time. I do a lift, I put the nipples exactly where I want them, I reduce the skin envelope so it's not too large, then in three, six months we go and do the mastectomy, and now I have perfect breasts, and I can do whatever I need to do, and they're going to look beautiful. If you do have an active cancer diagnosis, the other thing I've done is I've done a lift with a lumpectomy, so remove the cancer, get it out of the body, do a lift at the same time. Then come back in three to six months, do the completion mastectomy and the implants. So there's a lot. There's a lot of steps. There's a lot of different ways of slaying this beast. All to be said, different surgery from a cosmetic breast implant and breast lift. And sometimes keeping the nipples is not always the best option. Um, once you've decided to have whatever surgery you're going to have, as you mentioned, there's options for tissue expanders which are basically empty implants. So they go in at the time of the mastectomy, they are either flat or they can be filled on the OR table to a certain degree. And then you come back to the office every week, every two weeks, and we put more saline into them and slowly, slowly expand them to whatever size you want to be and then go back for a second surgery, which is to swap them out to permanent implants. That's one option for breast implant reconstruction. The second one is instead of putting tissue expanders, you just put in implants right away. So rather than doing the expander phase, you just put in implants, call it a day, sort of. Well, why would you do two if you could do one? Not everyone's a candidate for the single stage. Um, for me personally, and everyone's a little bit different, for me personally, your breast kind of already got to be like, not perfect, but like pretty good. 
They can't be too, too big. Um, nipples have to be more or less in a good position relative to where that implant's going to be. And if they're not any of those things, then I prefer a tissue expander. Um, a tissue expander is also used for patients maybe who are having the nipple removed and they don't have a whole lot of skin left behind. And it's really hard to put a, a larger implant in those patients, so they do well with tissue expansion. There's a couple different reasons why you would do one versus two. But at the end of the day, whether you did it in one stage or two stage, you're going to have implants for your reconstruction. They are not breasts. They are not breasts. I, I think, you know, what got us onto this topic was that a lot of our patients who get breast reconstruction are comparing their reconstructions to breast augmentation patients. And, right. and that's a mistake because... They, they aren't the same. That's just a breast augmentation. There, there's no cancer. There's no, you know, getting all the breast tissue out. There's no like. There's still breast tissue coverage. Left you yeah. know, there's no coverage. Like there, these are apples and not even oranges. They're like apples and bowling balls. <laughs> you know, they're really different. They're totally, totally. They we use the same thing. Both of them have implants, but the procedures are are totally different. And like. For example, in cosmetic breast implants, I typically put implants under the muscle, typically. The implants or the tissue expanders, um, I wrap them in some kind of dermal mesh, and then I put them over the muscle. And that is done because, again, going back to cosmetic versus reconstruction, under the muscle in a cosmetic patient, you may see the implant move a little bit when they flex their pectoralis muscles, but it's not a big deal. In a breast reconstruction patient, when they flex their muscles and the implants are under the muscle, you get what's called an animation deformity. And it's really weird looking. Because yep. the skin sticks directly on top of that pectoralis muscle. And so when it flexes, the skin does this weird ripply thing and it moves with it. And it's, it can be really disconcerting to a lot of patients. Oh, yeah. So over the muscle does away with that animation deformity, but you see more of the implant. So the implant is not a firm, rock-hard ball. It's a silicone gel. So it's going to have a few ripples and dimples in it. It's not a solid structure. And you can see some of those dimples under the skin. So you're a little more prone to seeing parts of the implant, which have to be addressed with fat grafting or other little camouflage procedures. So there are some major differences, again, in that regard between reconstruction and cosmetic breast implants. All of that to be said we can get really good results. And so, you know, we say that patients have these expectations that it's going to be a cosmetic breast augmentation. But we've kind of given them those expectations because we have evolved to a place where we can get really good results. I had a, I had a patient today in my office. She was there for her first post-op visit from her uh, surgery. She'd had bilateral nipple-sparing mastectomy, so she kept her nipples, and I put implants in right away. And our scribe, Kim, shout out to Kim, she was there with me. And after we came out, she was like, Dr. Fellow, did she have a mastectomy? I was like, <laughs> like she did. She was like, I had to double check my nose. I she looks she looks exactly the same as she did. Wow. <laughs> I didn't even realize she'd have a mastectomy. I was like, she did five days ago. So yes, we can get really good results, but there are limitations to what we get. I think that's the important thing to understand. Um if you are doing the direct-to-implant route, the implants right away, your breasts are not going to look dramatically different or better than how they started out with. This is not going to be the time that we can change them. We can't change them. We can't make them a whole lot smaller. We can't make them a whole lot bigger. We can't lift the nipples. 
all going back to blood supply. The breasts you come in with are sort of the breasts you're going to have. Now, if you're going the tissue expander route, I have a lot more leeway to really make these breasts different than how they started. So if you really want a different look, more perky, larger, smaller, whatever, tissue expanders are your option. And tissue expanders kind of get a bad rap as like, oh, that's a less evolved way of doing breast reconstruction. Mm. I love my tissue expander reconstructions. I mean, they look amazing. Um, And so for, you know, if you just don't love how they look, tissue expanders are a great option. If you're happy with how they look and you're okay with them looking like the same as they do now, then putting implants in right away, it might be an option for you. It's just all about understanding your options and adjusting your expectations. Yeah, I mean, you got to know where you're starting from too. Like that that's like as the patient when you come in you you have to realize that you know, it's surgery, it's not a magic wand. And so <laughs> we we have we can we can work with what's there. We can work with what you have where you begin and there are limitations of where it can go. And I think that's where some of the disconnect and what's possible is for for breast reconstruction patients. And, yeah. you, you know, the last thing you want to do is, you know, tell somebody like, ah, oh, you know, I know that you're starting with, you know, 29 centimeter, you know, nipple to notch distance. And, you know, there's barely any breast tissue there. And I understand you have a cancer. And when this is over, you're going to look like you are bikini ready and like, let's, you know, get you in for, for a photo shoot. No, that's not what happens. That's not what that's happens. Not what happens. The, the fact that your breasts are what they are is where you start. And so the discussion with your reconstructive surgeon is really important. It's right. really, really important to, right. to manage expectations because maybe implants aren't the right reconstruction for you. Maybe you do need an autologous uh, reconstruction, <laughs> you know, uh, an autologous Rex. And then you're talking about doing a, you know, some sort of DIEP flap where you taking the belly skin or, or even my, my classic favorite, a latissimus dorsi muscle and skin flap that does, you know, incredible reconstruction and gives you lots of coverage and incredible soft tissue. And so there, there are other options. And so having that discussion of what's possible really is the beginning point to having a satisfying reconstructive experience, knowing that it's a project, that this is a project. It It is is not a one and done. It is even when we say it's one and done, we're going to put implants in, high five on your way, eh, there's probably going to be a revision or two in the future. Definitely. Um, it's it's not one and done. I think that's kind of the last point I want to make here is that this is definitely a process. It's definitely a journey. And the recovery and the surgery itself is is hard. You know, this is not, like you said, this is not magic wand surgery. There's a lot that goes in to creating a breast out of nothing. Like when that mastectomy right. surgeon is done, it is a giant wide open space. There's no breast pocket. There's no breast borders. It's obliterated. It's gone. The fold usually isn't there. The lateral border on the outside is gone. Like it is just a blank slate. And so going in and putting in an implant right away and creating what looks like a natural breast is is it's hard. There's a lot of moving parts to it. And I have so many people that are like shocked by the fact they're like, oh gosh, your part took longer than the breast surgeons did. <laughs> I hear that all the time. I'm like, D- it- not a magic wand, people. <laughs> not a magic wand. What I'm going to do to make this a breast is going to take a lot of time and it's going to be really hard work. And they have a strong chance of coming out looking really great. But it takes, it takes a lot of time. 
And that's just in the OR. Then you have the whole recovery process, which now the hard part's on the patient because sticking through that recovery, you're going to have drains. I keep them in for two to three weeks because I don't want fluid reaccumulating. You're not going to be able to leave the house except to go to your doctor's appointments. You have to be really paranoid about infections. You have to take it really easy. Like there's a lot on the patient in the postoperative period to maintain a great result going forward. And it can be, it can definitely be a lot. And it's obviously way more than a cosmetic reconstruction or, or surgery. So knowing upfront that this is going to be a big deal surgery, the plastic surgery is not the cherry on top. It's not the icing on the procedure. It is the bulk of your procedure. And it's a big deal. And the recovery is a big deal. And you're going to get through it. And chances are you're going to do great. But you just got to have a, a good understanding. So when you come to your consult, when you come to your pre-op, you know, bring a person with you, bring a friend, bring someone that can be a separate eyes and ears for you, because a lot of times this isn't going to necessarily sink in. Or yeah, I, listen to this podcast. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, it's good to have a, a sounding board and, and certainly there are, there are plenty of, uh, of, you know, breast cancer support groups that are usually uh, run through the local hospitals. And so I, I think that that's also helpful just to hear other people talk mm -hmm. about it and, for sure. and to be dialed in. I mean, th this you know, these things that we come up against as humans, they're, they're just, they're really, it's just such a challenge and it's in it, you know, it, it rips at the heart of who we are. You know, like if you're having your breasts removed, this is like, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, it's like, it's, uh, it's a, life altering. It's it so huge. big deal. And it's just, it, it, it's not something you want to just kind of say, well, you know, I'll just get through it. No, you want, you want to be, you know, you want to be prepared. You want to be, you know, uh, a fighter for yourself and, yeah. and, and get the information you need and, and get your, your doc and your plastic surgeon on board and family members, whoever you can, but, you know, be, be aware that, you know, we get it. Oh no, a thousand percent. We get it. And talking to other people who've been through it is certainly helpful. The one thing I will say is beware of some of like the Facebook groups for breast cancer, breast reconstruction. Those have caused me so much grief and my poor patient so much grief. I mean, the, the misinformation the, is it, deep. It is a like, subterfuge of, of idiocy. And it's not even that. It's just like, well, there is some of that. but <laughs> There's a lot of that. I mean, as, as we've you know alluded to a couple of times here, like this is a comprehensive uh, area. And there are so many variables between individual patients' diagnoses the individual patient's breast, individual treatment options, like what their breasts look like, what they're hoping to achieve, what their surgeons are comfortable doing. I mean, you can't even compare breast reconstruction among other breast cancer patients because it's such an individualized approach. So if you're like, oh, well, but this person on the Facebook group received this kind of reconstruction, like why didn't I have that? Or why didn't like there, there's plenty of reasons why maybe that didn't happen for you or why your results are different from someone else's. So Certainly talking to other people is very helpful, but grain of salt, um, really no two breast reconstructions are alike. hundred percent. I, uh, I think that is really the take home message. And I think that's it. So yeah, if you have questions, certainly feel free to reach out and listen to the podcast. Um, I love doing breast reconstruction. We do it all the time. So I hope that that was helpful and very helpful. This is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210.
If you like what you heard on the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast and want to get in touch with either Dr. Ravello or myself, this is how to do it. You can reach me at the website, ravelloplasticsurgery.com. You can reach out to the office directly through the website with any questions or consult requests, or you can call the office directly at 310-954-1355. And you can reach me on Instagram at Ravello Plastic Surgery. And to reach me, the phone number is 310-777-8800. My website is drcalvert.com, drcalvert.com. Instagram, Dr. J. Calvert. And of course, you may want to check out our YouTube channel for the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast, which is simply that, Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. Hope to see you all in the office very soon. 